Recovery Radio, KMP3, Thousand Oaks. sober. I say it on every show, and I think I said it in the last show, one of the last shows, it is always shocking to me when there's a sober alcoholic who does not have the mere fact that they are without the desire to drink first and foremost on their radar when that's the case the amount of sober alcoholics that I know who have no desire to drink today according to them who don't think about that constantly get all tangled up in other things fascinates me fascinates me so grateful that I have been restored to sanity according to the big book talk about that all day long today I am placed in a position of neutrality concerning alcohol I'm not afraid I'm not cocky not avoiding temptation. It's amazing. So, feeling a lot today. My sponsor of three decades passed away this weekend. And I'm feeling a lot. Very grateful to that man. What he taught me. I never had a man in my life spend that much time with me. I still haven't. He really spent a lot of time with me. 
and didn't ask for anything in return. I had never asked another man for help in my life. Ever. It was a daunting task for me. Didn't realize it at the time, looking back, now that I'm older. The struggle I went through prior to asking him to sponsor me. And the build-up to it makes more and more sense. But I had never asked anyone for help, particularly a man. And I really had to work up the nerve to ask him for help. I was, I was embarrassed. I didn't want to need help from someone. I shared it on, shared it on here, I think, about him. I mean, there was this little, you know, pole sticking up out of the parking lot. And he'd always come outside during the meeting's break and put his coffee cup on that stand there I don't know how long it took me to work up the nerve but I remember even the night I did ask him to sponsor me I circled him for a long time before I got the nerve to do it and uh, very grateful that he didn't teach me to follow him and that's significant because I I don't see much of that. I see some of it, but I see a lot of not that. I see a lot of, you're going to follow me. You're going to follow me. Yeah, 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 God will be involved in all that, but you're going to follow me. You're going to ask me for the right decision. You're going to ask me for the right answer. You're going to ask me for guidance. And you're going to follow me and our relationship has to be strong and I am going to discipline you. I see a lot of that. And uh, I really have kind of a more and more special bond all the time now with people who don't have that message, with people who had the message that I had. Because it's, I go to a meeting called the Black Rhinos because black rhinos are so rare. That's just kind of what I'm talking about is central to its theme where it's My sponsor said to me, you know what? This is about you and your relationship with God. Do not ever put me on a pedestal. Don't follow me. Follow your higher power. You need to have a strong relationship with your higher power. That is what this is about. And of course, the big book says the opposite of everything I was just saying. The big book says we ask God for the right decision. We let God be the judge. We let God discipline us. And our real dependence has to be on a higher power, not another human being. So I'm really grateful for the message that he gave me. Thinking about him a lot, obviously. One of the many things he did all the time that I 
look back at fondly now as he challenged. He he, he challenged. Uh, I mean, I needed a redirection all all the time, and he he. I just couldn't hang out with him and say one thing. That had bullshit in it. I just couldn't. I just couldn't. If I said one thing, if there was <laughs> anything in what I was saying that he thought I needed to look at, he would look up from what he was doing with one eye. And I would think to myself, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, he was a real character. He was very sick for a long time. Been expecting it for literally years. Has not been healthy for a long time. And, uh, But I don't feel I wanted to talk about this today, A, because it's, you know, a huge part of my life and my recovery and my story. But also because I'm not lost today. I'm not grappling. I'm not drowning. I'm not confused. I'm not. I don't feel an emergency. I don't feel. And that's significant. And that's because of the message that he passed on to me. He was training me from day one to rely on God and not him. So I've dealt with a lot in my life, in my sobriety. A lot of people have left, died, relapsed. I had a temporary sponsor one time that uh, relapsed in grand fashion after years. So I went through a lot with this man. And, uh, you know, it was just all about a relationship with a higher power. And he made it really, really simple, which is another thing I want to bring up. He made it very clear, if you're thinking about God, that's good. He didn't use these terms, but he was very big on the substance and not the form. He was very big on um, thinking of God as is uh, it's a big deal. Being in a situation in life where um, God becomes a thought. 
It's a big deal. I remember the first time I did it, I shared about it on here a long time ago, but I'll share it again. It was the first time I ever made my sponsor pleased. <laughs> and it was because I was I was at this donut shop and I was playing this pinball game. It was very late at night. It's after a meeting. And I was playing a game and this guy came in wanted to kill me. I had hurt someone that he was friends with and and uh, you know years earlier he came in and he stood next to me and he wanted me to go outside so he could kill me and he stood there just kind of, kind of growling and foaming to the mouth and looked terrifying and Looked like he had nothing to lose and hatred in his eyes and and uh, I didn't know what to do. I thought about God and I literally stood there and thought about God and I looked at him and I kept playing the game. I thought about God and I looked at him. It's very strange and he stood there, trembled a little bit, debated what he should do, and he left. And next day I'm sitting with my sponsor and I tell him the story. And to me it wasn't a big deal that I thought about God. But to him it was a huge deal. I was just, you know, so here I am, I'm playing the game, this guy comes in, blah, blah, and he says, I'm going to kill you, and blah, 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 and I just stood there, and I thought about God, and blah, blah, and my sponsor fell out of his chair when I said that. He stopped me. He stopped what I was saying. He spoke over me. He shut the whole thing down. He said, and he didn't want to talk about anything other than the fact that I thought about God. And he had been my sponsor for a while, and I guess... That's the first time that I had said that I had done that. And it was a big deal to him. I met my grand sponsor on New Year's Eve, 1989, at a meeting hall that's very, you know, well-known in this town. And, uh... I remember it like it was yesterday. My sponsor pointed to my grand sponsor and said, this is your grand sponsor. And he said, he's got 39 years. And the two of those men could not have been more opposite of one another. (laughs) My grand sponsor, the most gentle, soft-spoken, just so gentle. If you were going to cast someone to play an angel, if you were going to cast like an older man to play an angel in the movie, you would have given the part to my grand sponsor. He looked and acted 
moved. And he just continued to give back to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I think about all the time, all the hours that I spent with my sponsor. Hundreds of hours. And he asked for nothing in return except that I pay back Alcoholics Anonymous. That I give it away to someone. That I carry the message. That's all he wanted. My favorite memory of him is actually from just a handful of years ago. Because it was the happiest I ever saw. He had moved away and he was kind of in the dumps. His health wasn't good. And I don't think he felt like He was effectively carrying the message to people in his community. And anyways, he came down, made a drive to a meeting here in town, and I had invited uh, some people that I was sponsoring. It was kind of a lot of them. And they wanted to meet him. A lot of people wanted to meet him for some reason on this night. There was just a lot of people wanted to meet him. So he came down and we went to Denny's. And there's a big table of us. Everybody was just talking to him all night, and he was just so happy. Then we went to a meeting. This part's going to make me cry, probably. Because this is the happiest I ever remember seeing him. We went to a meeting, and then after the meeting, he was standing on these stairs, and there were just all these people just sort of sitting around listening to him. And he was really in his element. It, it, I could tell it really felt good. That having met all these people and having these people's ears made him feel a sense of purpose that he hadn't felt in a while. And he was just really, he was just really in the zone. <laughs> and I remember he was talking about a lot of stuff the way he used to talk to me. And I could tell watching him that he just hadn't had... You know, he hadn't had that experience in a while. It meant so much to him. Afterwards, he... He cried. Couldn't get over it. It meant a lot to him to see that... That his time with me... 
you know, manifested itself into something. And it was still being carried on. And anyways, I just wanted to talk about that today. His name was Greg. And, uh, If you're listening, I love you very much. And thank you. Thank you for always steering me to the big book and to the traditions. as old school and as obnoxious as he could be I see more clearly than ever that it didn't come from his ego how he talked <laughs> came from his deep love for Alcoholics Anonymous I am going to go try to live a life that was worth saving. And I hope you do the same.